Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Harding. Tom is a partner at Osborne Clark, specializing in digital regulation, e-commerce, and consumer law. Tom has previous in-house experience working in the BBC's litigation team. He was head of the television broadcasting and Photographic Performance Limited and has sat on the DMA's social media council. Before coming a lawyer, Tom was a world-leading DJ, travelling the globe and reaching a top spot in Holland for his DJ work. So, a very big welcome, Tom. What an intro. Thanks, Rob. Uh, I know, I I don't get to say those types of introductions every day. So, uh, we're we're really, really excited to have you on the the show and and talk Uh through all your amazing achievements and legal experience, of course. But we do have a customary icebreaker question on the Legally Speaking podcast. So, on the scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very real, how real would you rate the hit series Suits in terms of its reality on the scale of 1 to 10? Ah, oh, okay. So I, uh, do you know what? I've never actually seen Suits, so I can't, uh, I can't give you a rating, Rob, I'm afraid. But you know, lots of people do ask me, in fact, is Suits like what you do? And I have to say, uh, I don't know, because, yeah, I've, I've never actually, re- I've never watched it. Maybe I'm a bit older. Zero and we move on. So don't... don't I think that's right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start at the beginning because this is going to be interesting. Tell us a bit about your family background and upbringing first. Uh, Family background and upbringing. So yes, I grew up in Bristol. um, And let's let's say I grew up there. My dad is a financial advisor, mum's speech therapist. Grew up in there, went to school in Bristol and then went up to uh, university up in Nottingham. Um, so that's, yeah. And then, yeah, I've ended up, I live in Bath now. So I've ended up back where I sort of grew up. But that's how it all started. Good stuff. And before you became a lawyer, mm. which we're definitely going yes. to talk about, you were <laughs> yeah. a professional DJ for many years. Talk us through it. Uh, what was that like? It was awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, so to cut a long story short, I sort of got into DJing because... It was sort of um, it was sort of right place, right time, really. And it's it's a long story, Rob. But when I was little, people used to um, make mixtapes that no one really does anymore because no, you know, no one has cassette tapes or anything like that. It's kind of long story short. A mate of mine had a mixtape of mine in the pocket, in his pocket, and he was sitting in a cafe uh, in Amsterdam, and they were um, they were just like playing some tunes in the background, and he said, "Oh, do you want to um, do you want to put this tape on?" Uh, and it's my mate, it's pretty good. And they went, yeah, okay, okay, why not? That sounds like a good idea. And did that. Turns out, it's proper like right place, right time. And um, turns out that the guys who ran the cafe were planning on putting on a club night, and they um, they said, oh, oh, we like this guy, who is he? And um, my mate, to his credit, just lied through his through his teeth, basically. And just said, oh, this is, oh, this is my day. He's really good. He's absolutely really hot, upcoming DJ, that sort of thing. And I mean, in reality, I'd only ever played at, at the local sixth form ball when I was about 18 or something like that. But they sort of bought, bought the story and flew me over to Holland, uh, played in the club. And it's got a long story short, the club got really successful. And so did the festival they ran. And it sort of went from there. And um, oh, it's amazing. I, I used to absolutely adore it. Because fundamentally, you got paid to um, 
play records, which I just do anyway. Do you know what I mean? I just, I would just love, I love me, always love music. So you get played, play records, um, fly around the world, see some amazing places, and you know what's what's not to like about that, really. So yeah, I used to love it. Right with you on that. And um, do you have a particular highlight from your time as a mm. DJ? There's so many good memories, but the best thing I think I ever did. So there, there's a big festival in Holland called um, Dance Valley. And again, it's a long story, but at the time, it's basically like the biggest dance festival in the world. And there was a DJ called um, Carl Cox. He used to be really, really famous. He's like one of my DJ heroes, basically. But I got asked to like, headline the festival. So I got to um, basically say to Carl Cox, who was just absolute DJ and God, Carl, one more for you and then I'm on and I got to headline the festival and there was about 100,000 people in the audience. Absolutely amazing. Whenever I'm having a stressful day, I think back to that, <laughs> to that moment because it is just brilliant. That is fantastic. Yeah. 100,000 people. So what was yeah. the, uh, what was the, the song or the tune then? What was the one where they all went mental for? Or what was the one your go-to track at the time that was, uh, yeah, forever keeping the, uh, the party going? Go track is probably, is probably relatively obscure unless you're into hard dance because that was my, that was my bag. Unless you're into hard dance, you probably won't know, but it's called Nightingale by DJ Mindex, which is probably on YouTube somewhere if people want to listen to it. But that's my favourite sort of hard dance tune of all time. That's the last tune I played and it was, the, the roar of the crowd was just amazing. Absolutely amazing. Fond yeah. memories. And do you, what, what sort of music are you into now? Have you stuck with that sort of mm. sort of stuff mm. or what else do you into? Because obviously it's probably not left. You're still kind of a big, big into your music. Uh, yeah, no, I am still. Um, I mean, I, I still listen to all the DJing stuff now and then, not as much. I have to say, I mean, I'm a DJ in a little while now, but what do I, I listen to anything really. I mean, anything that's good. And I mean, I've got, I've got three kids. I've got sort of three, some of those sort of teenage um, daughters, well, nearly all teenagers. So a lot of sort of, pop and stuff and don't know but you sort of turn into you end up sounding like your parents just going oh, what's all this stuff because they like love listening to kiss and in car and this sort of thing but yeah any anything and everything really so are you the cool dad then have you been the dj for all the the sort of kids birthday parties or do you outright refuse once you hit sort of dance valley hundred thousand people you, you're not mm-hmm. prepared to go back or uh, have have you done that role uh, I like to think I'm a cool dad, but I'm pretty sure that's not true. And my um, my, my daughter certainly doesn't think that. I've always flatly refused to do kids parties, although I did do my eldest daughter's primary school uh, leaving do, um, which was really good fun, actually. It was, it was really good fun. I had all the parents up on stage, so I think to take that, which is quite good. And I think she thought I might be cool, but... <laughs> It, it doesn't really wash, I think. I'm a bit too old now. <laughs> well, we, we loved learning about that. And uh, yeah, just fascinating. And, and there is a real kind of important point to the, the podcast today, because we must then transition into your career of, of becoming mm-hmm. a DJ and then moving into the law later on into your mm-hmm. career and, and really making a success of it. But let's start at the beginning of that bit. Why did you wish to make the transition from DJing into the law? Why? Well, to be honest, I'd always after so I went to uni. Uh, what did it? You know, I did industrial economics at uni, but I'd always thought actually that the law would be a good career path ultimately. And then, to be honest with you, the sort of the DJing was um, a bit of a curveball, if you see what I mean. As in, because 
I just got some opportunities to go and do it. And I thought, do you know what? Let's just go and do it because you're never going to get these opportunities again. So I'd always sort of had it in the back of my mind that once I never wanted to do DJing forever because it's great fun and it's really interesting, but it's tiring and you know, you spend a lot of weekends away and this sort of thing. So I thought, well, I'll do that while it's fun and we can have some success. But I'd always sort of go back to the law. So I was always in the back of my mind. Um, so yeah, I basically quit from the, I retired from DJing and then went back to law school when I was 30, in fact. Brilliant, brilliant. And you must have had um, some, some major challenges to overcome um, what would you say have been some of them in your legal career to, to date? The first thing I suppose, was actually trying to get um, training contracts and trying to get sort of into the profession. So, because I think, you know, at the time you have something called like the milk grounds where you just apply to loads of different firms. And I sent out, oh, I think, I don't know, 32 applications. I think it was something like that. And just got badly refused, in fact, from 30 firms. They just wrote back going, no, I think they sort of look at your background, they look at your CV and just think, I'm not, I'm not sure. Generally, this isn't the sort of background that fits the mould of the people that we wanted in the professions. So that was, um, that was challenge number one, really, actually, just getting in there. Because I think, you know, there's a lot of, at the time, there's lots of screening of applications. And, you know, I had the grades and that was okay. But it didn't sort of wash. So that was... That was certainly challenge number one. And I think, you know, the other challenge from, you know, to be blunt, I suppose, is going from DJing, which is a pretty sort of, well, a very different profession, let's say, to the law. And, you know, and sort of then sort of transitioning to that sort of mindset of going back to school and being in that sort of professional environment and, you know, those sort of challenges. So it was a couple, really. Okay, and since then, you've mm. made a real success of the law because you're now a partner at Osborne Clark. Mm-hmm. So tell us more about your current role as a partner and your journey to becoming a partner because that's truly inspiring to, to show that you can have a career change um, at the age of, say, 30 and still go on to reach the, the, the pinnacle of, of a partnership. So just talk us through that. Do you know, I'm a firm believer in career changes later on in life. The law is perfectly doable I mean you know we get various candidates at OC actually that sort of come and think I always think actually if you've had a past career that's a really good thing because you just have different experiences and you have you have a lot yes you may not know the law per se but you can just bring a lot to the party in terms of dealing with people dealing with situations and you can apply that and I always think you know it's a really good thing but at the moment yeah so yeah I retrained when I was 30 started my training contract when I was 32 and now, yeah, I'm partner at OC, and I basically specialise in sort of consumer online digital regulation, and we work for like lots of tech companies and that sort of thing. I also head up our gaming practice, so we do lots of work for sort of interactive entertainment and gaming clients. Um, and it's, yeah, it's good. I love it. Really enjoy it, actually. And I, I don't think what I love about it is the fact that we are doing sort of just interesting work for just some, you know, clients sort of doing new stuff and pushing digital boundaries and that type of thing. Because for me, for me, it's just, it's just really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, the path up was, it's quite hard. It was most hard, actually. It's hard work, um, but enjoyable. I have to say it's enjoyable. I think if you like, if you sort of start and you 
I think the key to it is really just finding an area of law that you really enjoy. You've got to really sort of enjoy your subject matter. There's loads you can choose from. I mean, there's absolutely a whole range of different areas you can specialise in. But if you find something that ignites your sort of passion, then it makes that hard journey, you know, a lot easier, actually. Because, you know, I'm frankly just really interested in the clients that I work for and just generally what they do, which then makes doing the, you know, the legal bit a lot easier. I echo that. And it's, you know, it's no surprise, perhaps a, a former DJ had a, a real passion for, for all things sort of media um, and technology. So that, that makes a lot of sense in following that, that route, because you are passionate about media and technology. And as you mentioned, you do have a particular expertise in the games industry, which I'm fascinated by. And currently do lead the, the games and interactive entertainment practice at OTC. So just to dig a bit deeper, then, what does that involve? Um, more so on the game side, because I'm sure a lot of people are interested to know about that. We do a lot of work for a lot of games clients. And we, um, you know, we've got a pretty big practice, actually. And that's it. What does it involve? It involves all manner of things, actually. And, you know, from sort of regulatory advice to corporate to litigation, you know, the whole sort of gamut. But what it really involves, actually, is really um, knowing the industry and just knowing what's going on within the gaming sort of sector because a lot of the sort of providing really good service to clients is, is knowing the sort of background industry in the sector. So anyone, I would think, well, anyone can read, you know, the Consumer Rights Act, for example, and its application of consumer law. But then it's, it's sort of the application of that to the specific, you know, nuances of the gaming industry and how, how that apply to, you know, a cloud streaming platform or whatever. And it's, um, it's that sort of bit of the role, which is, um, which is really, really interesting. But I, I sort of oversee the whole department. And it's fascinating because, um, as you say, it's, um, it's, it's just fast moving and it's interesting. And, it, you know, if I was doing, um, I mean, you know, no disrespect to property lawyers, for example, but if I was doing sort of property law, I just wouldn't particularly find it particularly interesting. You know, the fact that I can sort of just work in the sector, something like gaming and, you know, digital regulation that I just really enjoy anyway, just is, is, is an absolute dream, quite frankly. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. And it would only be fair in your legal um, career, what's been yes. your, your greatest highlight or what do you most enjoy about the current role? Greatest highlight would be, I suppose it's your classic, um, I suppose it's your classic thing. So it's, I mean, to be frank, it was getting a training contract. <laughs> that was, that was, you know, for me, that was a real, that was a real highlight. Qualifying, I was frankly delighted. Um, becoming partner was yeah, a real, real highlight. Um, although <laughs> in classic sort of, you just equally realise that sort of life goes on. I'd, I'd always thought when I, oh, when I my partner, that's okay. Fine, I'll crack open the champagne and this sort of thing. But, and don't get me wrong, it's a massive achievement, but you just realise that life is, um, life equally sort of carries on. So I think we were having like a little celebration dinner with um, the kids and we sat down, boom, 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 and we are all sort of tasting going, oh, well done, daddy. That's great, you've made partner. And literally at the point we were saying, oh, well done, that's great. My middle daughter managed to choke on uh, a bit of pizza that she was eating. And <laughs> and my wife had to get up and give her the Heimlich manoeuvre. And um, you just, generally, you just realise it's all sort of relative, but you just realise that, you know, life is equally sometimes more important than the achievements. But that was that. And yeah, what do I enjoy most about it? Do you know what? I genuinely love, I, I love the bit of law that I do. If, you know, if I wasn't doing law, I would still be involved, I think, in the sort of tech, media, that sort of industry as well. 
so I, I, gen, I genuinely find our sort of clients' problems and issues and business strategies that they're dealing with just really fascinating. So it's just really enjoyable working in that space. What some of our listeners would be really keen to know, if you were to kind of give one piece of advice, maybe someone is coming to the end of their sporting career, one's a DJ, or maybe some done something a bit different. You know, is there any mistakes you made as part of your career change that you would say avoid or any one piece of key advice you would say, look, this is going to help you make that change? I would say just be, I suppose, have confidence in what your previous career can offer in terms of like the skills that you can transfer into the law, let's say, because I, I, I suppose when I was DJing, I was thinking, well, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm not sure really what this adds you know, to sort of going to a legal career. But then you sort of break it down. You think, well, hold on. What I've actually done is I've gone around and I have lots of different clients as a DJ and I meet lots of people. And it's all about sort of relationships and getting on with people. And, you know, it's, you're actually like running a mini business as well. So you sort of, I think and at the time, I didn't really appreciate the value of transferring some of those skills. So I would say that, you know, and if you're a sports person, you think, well, you know, I'm sure you're very focused and determined and disciplined. And, you know, there's always, I think, something you can bring to the party in terms of like a legal career, which is really important. And we, you know, I see we get people who have got second career changes and they typically do really well, actually. They do really well because it's it's all experience. You know, it may be in a completely different field, but it's, you're just bringing experience, you know, bringing experience to your client relationships and the way you go about things so don't think that your previous career if you were wouldn't add and be actually really attractive to an employer because I, I think it's really important and the more people you get from diverse backgrounds and you know different career paths is, is is really important actually to the profession as a whole yeah right with you and thanks so much for sharing that um we must march on um Mm -hmm. because another thing that i'm passionate about as well is yes london you know it's the city of london is great but there are Mm -hmm. so many other great cities in the uk and beyond doing so much amazing work so for you how do you find working in bristol to compare your experiences working in places like like london I love it. <laughs> um, so, so I mean, yeah, so we've got offices in London, Reading and Bristol, and I live in Bath. So I sort of tend to split my time between Bristol <laughs> when we were going to the office, but um, uh, split my time between sort of Bristol and London. And personally, I'd, I mean, there shouldn't really be much of a difference. So, I mean, I, what I think about brilliant, actually, and especially with more remote working and in these particularly sort of troubling times, you know, people can just work from home and people are more flexible as to where they can work from. But for me, it's great because I can, you know, I can sit in Bath um, and, but equally do work for the super, super top international clients. Do you know what I mean? And location of where I sit is pretty agnostic, really. Um, so I think, you know, that and that's that's changed quite a lot, actually. I think, um, you know, when I sort of started in, I trained at Oldswang, um, as was then, uh, up in London in, in the start of 2006. And then I think, you know, it was more that really London was the place to be in terms of, you know, servicing those, those sort of clients. But as time has gone on, it's a lot easier for people to be in completely different locations. And you just get a bit more location agnostic about it, which is great. So, I mean, for me personally, it's 
it's really the best of both worlds because I, you know, I live in sort of a place and my surroundings, which I really like, but can still continue to do the sort of really sort of high end work that, um, that, that I really enjoy. Yeah. People, particularly, you know, in the current climate, are probably mm. thinking, I've got to get into London or I've got to do London or whatever. And that's not necessarily the case. Of course, London is fantastic. Um, yeah, but I do yeah. encourage people to to think outside the box or, you know, if they do live, you know, in a, in a reasonably big city where there is access to lots mm. of good law firms or even some of the local firms, do consider them. And I guess that nicely yes, leads absolutely. us on to another topic that you're very passionate about, um, mm. which is social mobility. Um, yeah. And I know that's something you're actively involved with at OC, but but what mm. does um, this mean to you? I suppose it means two things, really. So, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I went to a private school and I had a relatively privileged sort of upbringing, but I was well aware that, you know, you apply to 32 law firms and you get turned down by 30. And that's fundamentally because of your background. So I'm not saying I don't, you know, didn't have a, you know, a very sort of privileged start, but I'm aware of the sort of barriers to um, people from more socially diverse backgrounds, just frankly, getting into the law. And, I, you know, I think the law has not been particularly great in the past at encouraging people from um, more diverse backgrounds to enter the profession you know and typically people sort of recruit from the Russell Group universities and it's quite a sort of stayed path so there's two things really actually one is really expand the pool that you go out to to try and get people in the profession and that can be you know going to recruit it a variety of different universities. I've uh, got an apprentice scheme, you know, and just really sort of widening the net of people that you encourage actually to come and try and get into the profession because it's it's just super important because, you know, what I don't really want is a profession that is dominated by people from Russell Group or, you know, Oxford. And it's, you, you get quite a sort of... Um, well, you, you don't get really a diversity of views and really what we really want is a big diversity. So there's sort of two bits of it really. One is expanding the pool that people allow them to get into the profession. But then actually the other bit is helping people um, come up and sort of progress once they're into the legal profession because that can sometimes be a bit of a challenge. I think there are some stats in the lawyer actually a little while ago about, I think it's magic circle funds actually, not I'm trying to be rude about magic circle firms but about how you know progression of people from more socially diverse backgrounds drops off so you know you may have x percent who sort of are nqs and starting but actually that percentage just goes down and down as more people progress so there's two bits really and what i'm really keen to support is you know widen the funnel of people coming into the profession and then also support people as they're trying to go up um and i think you know we're getting better at it uh, and the profession is getting better at it, but there is still a lot more to do, I think. Yeah. And is, is there anything about the work at OC that you and mm. the team have done or anything within this area you would like to sort of say that's worked really, really well or that you're working on or plan to? Yes. So um, we are oh, doing lots, actually. Um, I mean, I would say that, but um, we are. So you certainly have started to widen the net of people we get into the firm. We have an apprentice scheme running, um, which is basically takes people from you know slightly different backgrounds and but allows them to progress up through the firm and get through to NQs. Um, we've started really just working on sort of internal initiatives uh, in terms of helping people progress. We've got sort of outreach to different types of schools to try and get people in. Um, 
and things like social mobility partnership we're very um, plugged into. There's a lot going on, actually, which is good because I'm just, I'm just passionate about it. I just, you know, I just don't. And I think the profession and any firm would just benefit, frankly, from having a more diverse talent pool um, because you just get that difference of opinions, of views, of doing things. I mean, you know, if everyone did, did everything the same, then that's a pretty boring place, really. So, yeah, that's that's the plan. You know, long may that continue. And as we look to to sort of wrap up, Tom, you know, what advice would you give to lawyers wanting to work within the field of digital regulation? Or, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, particularly because I'm sure it's going to have sparked a lot of people's interest and they may think, well, isn't it just too competitive mm-hmm. to get into that space? So what advice would you give to those? Yeah, I mean, it is competitive, but actually that sort of area and that scope of work is only ever going to get bigger because that, you know, there's digitalization and it's all tech, media, digital is, there's an industry in a sector, let's say, is going to grow and grow. Um, but as a result, there's a lot, there's a lot more legal work. So that's, it's, it's a good place to be going in. But I would say the best advice I could give was try and sort of, you know, know your industry and knowing what's going on. So when we, you know, we sort of interview people and we're talking about, you know, looking at candidates, things, it's, it's all about, I don't expect you to know the law, particularly, you know, for starting, because really, why would you? But, you know, if you have an industry, an understanding of what's going on, you know, what company X or company Y is up to, or if you can sort of demonstrate that interest and the passion sort of in the sector, then that is really is the best starting point you can possibly have, actually. Um, and that, you know, they're the sort of people who think, great, okay, you know, you, 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 we want, we are happy for you to come and work for us. Yeah, and and I think that's kind of I would embrace that under it's a horribly overused term, but but commercial awareness, and I think a lot of people running a lot of you know on Instagram, LinkedIn, all these social medias, people are running some fantastic platforms providing all of that um, advice. People can just go and soak it up and and use that to their advantage. Tom, it's it's been a, a real pleasure um, chatting to you, and I'm sure a lot people are going to be inspired and, and maybe even wish to sort of want to, to try and reach out to you. So if people want to follow or get in touch about anything we've discussed today, what's the best way yep. for them to do that? And feel free to shout out any web links or relevant social medias. Um, and we'll also share that with this episode for you. Just ping me an email, quite frankly. Uh, so that's fine. You know, all the details are up on the OC website. So just find me. She's out. I'm on LinkedIn. So find me on either. And um, yeah, reach out. More, always, always more than happy to have a chat and um, yeah, to have a conversation. Thanks so much once again, Tom. It's been a real pleasure having you on. Wishing you lots of continued success with your legal career. But for now, and Thank all you. of us on the show, over and out. Perfect. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Legally Speaking Podcast. If you enjoyed the show and want to help support us, remember to leave us a rating and review on Apple iTunes. You can also support the show and gain exclusive benefits, bonus content and much more by signing up to our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com forward slash Legally Speaking Podcast. Thanks for listening.